Eek! It's a geek! Should I take a peek? You give him time to think that over while you're talking. Then you throw in the chick. You geek. Hmm. I might have stayed too long here. This is it. This is the real thing. You've heard about it on the radio and seen it in the papers. Ten big acts for the price of one ticket. Behind this curtain, you'll see the Fiji mermaid, the giant red bat, the six-foot man-eating chicken. They're all real, and they're all on the inside. You'll see the Ethiopian glass here. Admission is free to Bellycast, the podcast of the carnival and sideshow. You're just in time. We're going to have a free show. We're going to bring out the strange people, the weird people. Here they come now. Watch the doorway. You'll see what they do. You'll hear what they talk about. They're all alive on the inside. Get your ticket and come in. Ballycast presents news and interviews with performers and showmen. Some important words of warning. This podcast is not family friendly. I'm not even thinking about it. So listen at your own risk. The performances and stunts described are not safe even for experienced performers. Never attempt them without the direct supervision of someone who already performs them. Please use your common sense. And if you don't have any, stop listening now. Here's your host, Wayne Kaiser. Welcome to Ballycast, episode 171, yet again brought to you entirely free by Blue Ridge Entertainment, publisher of books, CDs, DVDs, and more for showmen, performers, and fans of the sideshow, carnival, and variety arts. One feature segment of today's show, Nathan Wakefield's new book, The Rise and Fall of the Sideshow Geek. Also, news, elephants, a favorite carnival food recipe, and much more. Somewhere, just out of sight, the unicorns are gathering. It's Ballycast. Here we go. Keep your hands and arms inside the car and remain seated until the ride comes to a complete stop. In the news... Some listeners feel there's too much music in the podcast. I promise I'll stop. No, really, I promise. What's the matter? Don't you trust me? Have I stayed too long at the fair? 
stay too long at the fair. Last episode, we talked about tattoos. I found this interesting fact today. According to the Pew Research Center, nearly a third of U.S. adults, 32% of us, have one tattoo. More women than men, 38% of women against 27% of the men. And 22% of us have more than one. I'm really too late for the full extent of this because it's already mostly done, but let's be sure to note what's been going on on Coney Island. Amazing, spectacular, strange, and bizarre, from the corner of Surf Avenue and West 12th Street, Coney Island, USA, is home to the Sideshows by the Seashore Theater. The only family-friendly live entertainment venue in Coney Island where you can see electrifying feats performed by real people. You won't believe your eyes. We're also home to the Coney Island Museum, the Freak Bar, Gift Shop, the Pinball Museum, and Retro Arcade. And stay tuned for our latest performing arts venue, the Shooting Gallery. Chill out in our air-conditioned theater as these real-life daredevils perform stunts you wouldn't imagine were possible. Hosting an event and want to leave a long-lasting impression on your guests? Our performers are available for private parties and events. For full schedule and operating hours, check out ConeyIsland.com. We hope to see you soon. Now, if we're going to do that, we really must hear something from the past. A great bit of Halloween freakiness. Extra, extra, the first time on any American stage, see the talked-about girl in the topless swimsuit. Houston's hallucinations. It's sensational. Girls, girls, and more girls dressed in the most daring designs Paris has to offer. And if you want mystery, witness the unbelievable flight to outer space. Houston's hallucinations. See a girl without a middle. And the weird and unusual burning of a she-devil. 
See all this and more in Houston's Hallucinations, coming on this stage soon. And now, on with the show. Let's get to some serious business. It's the month for Halloween, and our feature meditation on creepiness this time, The Rise and Fall of a Sideshow Geek, a book by Nathan Wakefield, with a foreword by James Taylor. Snake eaters, human ostriches, and other extreme entertainments. I did interview the author, but I managed to lose the audio file. Sorry. But we have this. And now, on with the show. Oh, there's a lot you'll see at the carnival. Hey, square ladies and gentlemen, this way, right up on this platform. The world's greatest novelty. Elwood and Breakwood. Redwood. He's the smallest giant in the world's wife's his brother, Elwood. He is the largest midget in the world. They battle science. And he's dishonest. Facts. And then there's the geek. According to Wikipedia, it was a matter of pride among many circus and carnival professionals not to have traveled with a troupe that included geeks. But there was a real reason for showing a geek act, as explained by author James Taylor and showman Bobby Reynolds. Freak shows tell us something very important about the human condition, especially in this new century. Everything today is virtual. Everything's on a screen. Sideshow blows past all of that. They demand that you be right there, that it be right in your face. That's the type of entertainment that a sideshow is. It's visceral. It gets you in your gut. It makes you laugh. It makes you applaud. It makes you think you're going to puke. It's got all of the impact of a big-budget special effects movie. Here's what author William Lindsay Gresham had to say about geek shows in his novel Nightmare Alley, a book which was later made into a feature film in 1947 and made again much grittier in 2021. How do you ever get a guy to geek? It ain't easy. You gotta pick up a broken drunk, a real alky, a two-bottle-a-day full seat water. Nightmare Alley's train tracks, flap houses, you name it. A lot of folks came back from the war addicted to the poppy, the booze. Opium really sinks its claws, but you reel them in with booze. You tell them, I got a little job for you. It's a temporary job. Make sure you emphasize that. Just temporary until we get ourselves another gate. You spike it with that opium tincture. One drop per bottle. That's all. Now, this is what he thinks is happening. You say to him like this, you say to him, well, I got to get me a real geek. He says, ain't I doing okay? You say, like crap, you're doing okay. You can't draw a real crowd faking a geek, you're through. And you walk off. All the while you're talking, he's thinking about sobering up, getting the crawling shakes, screaming, terrors. You give him time to think that over while you're talking. Then... You throw in the chick. You geek. Jesus. Poor soul. In Gresham's nonfiction book, Monster Midway, he further details the process of making an alcoholic or a drug addict perform a geek act in exchange for his poison of choice. Side note, Grisham almost descended into that abyss himself. 
Aside from this novel and Monster Midway, he never wrote another book of any note. Audience members brave enough to go into a freak show could feel a tiny bit of comfort. They could never suffer the physical deformity of born freaks. But when they saw a geek, a person with nothing special about them save for their actions, and watched them biting the head off a living animal, no more comfort. You're looking into eyes that could very well be yours. James Taylor says in his foreword to the book, Some shows were almost designed to be missed. I would put it, designed to be either dared or rejected. You get to feel brave if you dare to go, or righteous for staying away. I used to love going to places I secretly felt safe, but most other people would be horrified to dare. Popular literature tends to leave unsaid too many details, but Wakefield's book describes historical figures involved with presenting geek shows. In 378 pages of texts and bunches of illustrations, in here are full details, enough to satisfy both the mildly curious and the serious student of history. It answers a lot of questions. What were these shows really like? Yes, some of it was fake. They can't eat the head off a live animal every show. Who can afford all that for multiple shows a day? But they can imitate that action pretty effectively. There are tricks. And then take their minds off their questions by following it up doing other equally repulsive stuff. Who would do this stuff and why? Wakefield says some of them endured it by hoping for a boost in the ranks of the carnival biz. Who would go to a geek show aside from drunk high school boys? Well, drunk high school boys and the dates they bring along under protest. And, of course, the boys' dads. Weren't there some legal pushbacks? Sure, that's why the carnival always carried a patch to settle some things. Was there no recourse or protection for these pathetic humans? Did they want any protection? There's no way to illustrate this issue with music because there are no geek songs. Sad. Now, I just asked who would go see a geek perform, and answered with a mention of drunk high school boys. If those crazy kids don't have a geek show to go to, perhaps they'd prefer this. Attention! You will be buried free if you die during the hollow chamber of blood and gore. Live on stage from Hollywood, California, see vampire people who come into the audience seeking fresh, warm human blood, plus Frankenstein in person, not on film. See the ethereal materialization of Liz Taylor as Cleopatra, free spirit photo of Liz Taylor to the first 500 boys at the box office, free IV braces to all girls who can take the shock of blood and gore. This is so terrifying that the management is giving a free two-for-one pass to everyone who does not run from the theater in fight. See unbelievable terror on stage. Not movies, every scene live. You must see the believe. See the horror chamber of blood and gore. 
Recommendation, the 4K Plus video downloader. The software has paid options, but the free version lets you download to your preferred format and size up to 30 downloads a day from sources we all know, starting with YouTube. Why? Because that eliminates annoying YouTube commercials. And there are lots of free sound effects on YouTube for those making podcasts and green screen effects for those into making their own videos. The software also works on TikTok, Facebook, a number of sources I never heard of before, and possibly Pornhub. Now and then it may be reluctant to download up to its limit, but I find that closing it and restarting the whole computer brings it to its senses. After it finishes capturing your selected videos, it automatically and quickly converts them to your format of choice and deposits them on your hard drive wherever you like. A free download link is on the episode webpage. Hot dog? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The hot dogs at our concession stand do rate an appreciative whistle. I'll slide into an oven-fresh bun, and I'm ready for your eating fun. Why don't you try a juicy, good hot dog? Mmm, delicious. At the turn of the 20th century, the most popular seaside treat was steamed clams. But restaurateurs soon learned that their real profits came in the boardwalk-facing window, from customers buying cheap hot dogs by the hundreds of thousands. Early hot dog stands faced competitors' claims that they put horse and dog meat in their dogs. But in 1916, Nathan Handworker opened Nathan's Famous, offering five-cent hot dogs. That's about a dollar forty-four today. And he hired men dressed as doctors to be seen eating there. Now there's nowhere more iconically Coney Island than Nathan's Famous. They still offer their specialty, an all-beef frankfurter on a roll with mustard, chili, no beans, with a prominent common flavor, and raw or cooked onions. Initially, Americans looked on these newfangled meals with suspicion. I mean, heaven knows what's in those things. But then someone named them Coney Dogs, and America started to feel confident about the hot dogs' all-American wholesomeness. There are many regional ways to serve hot dogs. Wikipedia has a page listing 19 of them city by city. But we're visiting Coney Island today, and that means Nathan's Famous. Back in episode 75, you heard a recipe for a very Nathan's-like chili sauce for hot dogs. Here's a recipe for the street vendor cooked onions you love. Street vendor cooked onions. Two tablespoons vegetable oil. Two large yellow or red onions sliced about a quarter inch thick into rings. Then cut the rings in half and separate into strips. A half of a green bell pepper chopped. A quarter cup of ketchup or more to taste. A half a teaspoon of white sugar. A half a teaspoon of chili powder. A pinch of ground cinnamon. One cup water. Optional one dash hot pepper sauce. Sriracha works well. Heat vegetable oil in a large skillet over medium heat. Cook and stir onions and green bell pepper until onions are slightly browned and soft, about 8 to 12 minutes. 
Mix in ketchup, sugar, chili powder, cinnamon, and hot pepper sauce if desired until thoroughly combined. Pour in water, bring mixture to a boil, and simmer uncovered until onions are tender, about another 10 minutes. Use as a topping for hot dogs in buns. Yum, yum. It's a meal in itself. Our all-meat super dog. Enjoy one now. Warning! Macabre scares the yell out of you. Macabre, the most frightening picture ever to come out of Hollywood. So nerve-shattering that no theater dares show it without insuring you against sudden death from fright. During the showing of Macabre, the life of every person in the theater is insured by the world's largest insurance company for $1,000 in case of death by fright. Please note, this amazing policy does not cover people with known heart conditions, nor is it valid in case of suicide. Yes, you walk out of the theater terror-stricken, or you're carried out on a slab $1,000 richer. See Macabre, written by 12 of the world's most famous authors of mystery and suspense. Macabre, the picture that hammers your nerves with sudden shocks until your battered senses scream for help. Say Macabra! Everybody knows the famous Luna Park on Coney Island that opened in 1903. Shadows on the sun Another It's always dark in Luna Park Wind across the moon Electric storms and soon A flying spark in Luna Park And when we're getting higher we're happy Somebody's eating fire, we're happy The big wheel in the sky will make you scream Come on, join the line 
had a copycat Luna Park, a trolley park that opened in 1906, just a 12-minute ride from D.C. Built as a way to attract business along the trolley line after the county attorney general noticed trouble at a popular picnic spot where local residents hung out. There were gambling establishments, racetracks, and very likely a number of other questionable activities. He ordered the place cleared of all that vice, made family-friendly. He ordered the police to clear the riffraff out, and the police did nothing for several months. Gee, why might that have been? Until the AG personally deputized and armed 30 residents to march through the area, smashing up the gambling dens they found. The new Luna Park was built quickly on 34 acres next to Route 1, which was then and is still now known as Jefferson Davis Highway. Its brochure promised that families would not find lowbrow fat women, tattooed freaks, or other distasteful features of the tented shows. There were picnic grounds for 3,000 people, a running track, an athletic field, and much more. Beyond an ornate entrance gate lay the main concourse, illuminated at night with thousands of electric lights. The Washington Post called it the Silver City set with diamonds. You'll find photos of the gate and some other features on the episode's webpage. There were a roller coaster and a shoot-the-shoot with a 150-foot drop and a lazy river ride winding 2,200 feet to the park featuring ten what they then called scene houses, with themes like the Arctic, the Tropics, and Dante's Inferno. Magician the Great Leon, 
who didn't want his vaudeville public to think he needed a summer job to get by, changed his name temporarily and built the Hindu Theater at our Luna Park, despite the absence of any actual Hindus. It's really just a tent with a fancy front, just ten cents to see the show. You would also find a ballroom, a coin-op mutoscope parlor, restaurants, a bandstand with 2,000 free seats, a hospital offering free medical services to guests, and what was called a photograph garage, where people could pose with the wonder of the age, the automobile. An 8,000-seat arena hosted circuses and equestrian acts. On this particular day in Arlington history, August 21, 1906, just three months after the park opened, four elephants escaped from a traveling attraction playing the park, Barlow's Elephants. The show had four elephants, Annie, Tommy, Jenny, and Queenie. That morning, they were said to have been startled by some local dogs. Others claimed that they were alarmed by a violent thunderstorm during the night, and some said they might just have been deliberately released to get some publicity. Who cares? They're just animals, and we need some customers. Whatever the reason, Annie was caught before she got away entirely, but the remaining three were on the loose. They scattered, two of them toward Alexandria, where they smashed a barn, flattened a cornfield, and trampled a graveyard. It took till nightfall for Tommy to be caught. The head trainer, Peter Barlow, offered a reward for the capture of the remaining two. The Washington Post, in a jocular mood, published a little poem. Four little elephants chained in a row. They break loose and away they go. Keepers call it serious biz, and Pachyderm Price has surely riz. And it surely had. Barlow's reward of $500 would be over $3,000 in today's money. A few locals tried to win it, but their search came to nothing. Barlow asked Pawnee Bill, who was in town at another venue, for Pawnee Bill's Wild West and Great Far East Exhibition to send some of his men. How hard could it be? They're as big as a house. But the remaining escapees roamed the land for several days, as free as they'd been on the savannah where they'd been born. Then someone reported sighting them, so a whole posse on horseback set off just a couple of miles to where Jenny had been seen at Bailey's Crossroads. Yes, that Bailey, who had his personal winter quarters there. They found her hiding in a thicket where performer Mexican Joe, an expert roper, lassoed her and took her back without incident. That left just one still loose. A mob had been searching for Queenie carrying pitchforks, sticks, baseball bats, and stones. She was finally captured almost 30 miles away, south of Alexandria, beaten by the posse, exhausted, terrified, and hiding in a pine grove. Sad. That was the end of the Arlington Elephant Rampage. All told, our Luna Park only lasted nine years. 
A brush fire during the very dry summer of 1915 destroyed the park's roller coaster and did a lot of other damage, and Luna Park just closed, went out of business. It was never profitable. Some attractions were sold off to other parks. The rest of the structures were mostly demolished. The entrance gate and a few odd bits and pieces survived for decades. Traces of the structure's ruins remained as late as 1993, when the site was thoroughly cleared for a new Arlington County sewage treatment facility. Its wonders have departed. Let's give them a very sad farewell. Wait a minute, let me... Let me wipe off the splash.
Speaking of elephants, while we're on the topic, here from 1953 are four panelists. Steve Allen, the creator of The Tonight Show, columnist Dorothy Kilgallen, radio host Arlene Francis, and Bennett Cerf, founder of Random House Publishers, all on the show What's My Line? Right now, it is time for the experts to meet our first challenger whose job they've got to spot. So would you sign in, please, ma'am? Madeline Park. Is that right? <laughs> Is it Miss or Mrs.? Mrs. Mrs. Park, would you tell us first of all where you're from? I'm from Katona, New York. Katona, New York. If you'll come over here now, please, and join me. We'll let our viewers at home have a further look at Mrs. Park, and at the same time... We'll tell them what her line is. Mrs. Park imports elephants for circuses and zoos. But Mrs. Park, the panel has got to dig, and I think perhaps uh, we just tell them now that every time they give you a no answer, it's going to cost them $5, and we'll keep the record of all that up here. Ten of these no's, and you will have won the game. All right, Mrs. Park panel is self-employed, and let's begin the general questioning with Bennett Surf. Mrs. Park, is there any product involved in what you do? Yes. Would this be a product that would be used by both sexes? Yes. Is it larger than I am? Certainly, it could be larger than you are. Does your product, Mrs. Park, come in various shapes and sizes, then? No. No, it has a generally, it comes in the same shape and well, size. Well, it's sometimes bigger than I am and sometimes not. It must come in different sizes, doesn't it? You put shapes in there, too, which threw you. That's uh, one down and nine to go, Miss Kilgallen. <laughs> These things um, are used by both men and women, Mrs. Parks. Mm-hmm. They're put to use by both men and women, yes. Would you say that this product was a useful product? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say sometimes. It certainly it is a matter of record that it is a useful product. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, would you say it was not necessary for every home to have one? <laughs> yes. Would you think that I might get along if I didn't have one myself? Would you say that it was probable that I didn't have one of these things? Mm. Yes, I think so. Uh, would this thing ever be found indoors? <laughs> yeah, would it be more often found outdoors? Uh, we wouldn't want to mislead you. Actually, Dorothy, you would find it indoors and you would find it outdoors, and in either case it could be a good deal of the time with one specific product. But it would always be the same shape. Yes, more or less. Would you say that a man would be more likely to buy this than a woman? Man more likely to buy it than a woman? I would think so, wouldn't you, Mrs. Yes. Park? Yes. I would you have to go to a specific place to buy this or write to a specific place to order it? You would have to take uh, somewhat extraordinary action to buy it. You yes. wouldn't just be able to walk into some place on Madison Avenue and get it. <laughs> uh, yes, you would not be able to walk into some place on Madison Avenue and buy it, no. Would it be more likely that somebody in a specific profession or station of life would buy this rather than just anybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it equipment for some type of profession? 
Equipment for some time to progress through? I don't think we can. No. no. That would be two dollars eight to go, Mr. Allen. Could a man get into one of these? <laughs> it's a wonderful picture you paid, Steve. It's too bad you're going to know. It's three thousand seven to go, Miss Francis. Is this object, whatever it is, solid? <laughs> it is solid. Is it heavy? Yeah. Uh, is it made of a uh, uh, material like uh, oh cement or? Four down and six to go, Mister Sir. Mrs. Park, all this chitter chatter has put me off on an angle that I'm probably <laughs> going to get a quick no. But would this product of yours ever be alive? Yeah. It is. It's some kind of an animal then that you yeah. are connected with. And you said it was larger than I am. Yeah. Must be an elephant. <laughs> Is it an elephant? <laughs> Absolutely right, Bennett. It is an elephant. Now all you have to do is to find out what Mrs. Park has to do with elephants. In Katona? <laughs> well, I suppose she trains them. Trains elephants? No. no. Five down and five to go, Miss Kilgallen. Uh, she imports and sells them. Actually, I think with Mrs. Park's permission, we will accept that. Imports and sells them. Covers most of the ground. Actually, Mrs. Park buys elephants for circuses and goes out and gets them. But that's importing them. So I think you will agree that's close enough. Mrs. Park, right? Thank you, John. It's the first thing I've gotten in four weeks. <laughs> Congratulations, Dorothy. And Mrs. Park, you've had fun, I hope, and won a little prize. And thanks for being our guest. And she won $30, the equivalent of about $350 now. Bear in mind, I'm tired of hearing how elephants are a shameful tradition in the circus. It's often true, but many people lack the cultural tools for a clear-headed interpretation of a complex issue. All of this talk about elephants reminds me of an exhibit I recorded a ballet for a few years ago. Is this the sound of a baby's cry from thousands of years ago? See him for yourself, preserved thousands of years in solid ice, a mystery from prehistory found deep in the frozen Siberian wilderness, a tiny critter straight out of the twilight zone. See this amazing find, little Jumbo, a prehistoric pygmy mammoth. He's incredibly, impossibly small. Just eight inches high at the shoulder, you won't believe your eyes. Is he a baby or an undiscovered miniature species? Either way, he's so cute you'll want to take him home with you. See him here and decide for yourself. Suitable for everyone in your family, this educational and fascinating exhibit will have you talking about it for a long time. This is the one you've heard your neighbors talking about. You've seen little Jumbo on television, read about him in the newspapers. He's not a fossil, not a photograph. He's an amazing exhibit for everyone in your family. See him in person here. There's a small admission, just one dollar. There's nothing else to buy. Bring the whole family and see him now. Now's a good time to go. All ages are welcome. Stay as long as you want. Come in and see little Jumbo now. Oh yeah, 
since they're tearing down most of the history as if statues still signified approval as they did when they were put up, I suppose I'll hear from some offended person about a reference to Jefferson Davis or any other Confederates. Here's a quick two minutes with Al Jolson. Way down on the levee, in old Alabama, there's daddy and nanny, there's Ephraim and Sammy, on a moonlight night you can find them all. While they are waiting, the banjos are syncopating. What's that they're saying? What's that they're saying? While they keep playing, a humming and swaying, it's the good ship, Robert D. Lee, that's come to carry the cotton away. Watch them suffering along. See them shuffling along. Go take your best gal, your real pal. Go down to the levee. I said the levee. Join that shuffling throng. Hear that music and song. It's simply great, mate. Waiting on the levee. Waiting for the robber to leave. Watch them shuffling along. See them shuffling along. Go take your best gal, your real pal. Go down to the levee. I said the levee. Join that shuffling throng. Hear that music and song. It's simply great, mate. Waiting on the levee. Waiting for the robber to New Simply Circus in the striped red and white bottle, the spray cleaner that helps the busy housewife clean up after elephants leaving the first scent of cotton candy. Guaranteed to make short work of elephant droppings, monkey feces, freak slobber, and it absolutely eradicates the vomit found under even the most violent midway rides. Simply Circus, available now on your favorite midway. You know I've said something you like, something you hate, something you agree with, something that offends you. What are you waiting for? Drop a comment on the episode webpage at ballycast.com. Love letter straight from your Well, we are just going all over the place. Let's give another nod to Halloween with a brief reminiscence from an old friend. This is Boris Karloff speaking. I'm here with a story for you. Who killed Chung Ling Su? The coroner's verdict was death by misadventure, but the fate of magician Chung Ling Su was almost certainly no accident. The strange story begins in New York. A certain William Ellsworth Robinson, a magician by profession, was broke. Far less skillful men than he were getting all the jobs, and Robinson decided to try a desperate gamble. So in May 1900, a glittering-eyed man with a queue and flowing oriental raiment registered at a fashionable hotel in London. With him, there travelled a diminutive slant-eyed maiden. They call themselves the illustrious Chu Ling Su and his assistant Susie Seen. 
But back home in America, they'd just been plain Bill and Dotty Robinson. After just one performance at the famed Alhambra, Chung Ling Su's success was assured. Things went fine for a time. Then into the pretender's paradise came temptation. Her name was Estelle. He was sure that his romance was a secret until one night he found an anonymous note on his dressing room table. Be careful. Don't forget that in your bullet-catching trick, your wife loads the guns. Surely Dotty didn't suspect? Or did she? It wore on his nerves. So he decided on a divorce. He'd marry Estelle and end this worrying. And then, unbelieving, he heard his beloved say, Oh no, Chong, I could never marry anyone but an American. But I am an American, I'll prove it. Next day, dressed in western clothes, he called on Estelle. She stared at him, shocked. What she saw was an undistinguished man, halting and ordinary in speech. Where was the strange, alluring figure from the East? Miserably, Chung Ling Su confided in a friend. It's like having two men in one body, he said. One wants a woman that he can't have, and the other has a woman that he's afraid of. His friend was worried. I wish you wouldn't do the bullet-catching trick tonight, he said. Well, this is the last time I'll ever do it, promised Chung Ling Su, and went out onto the stage. The trick began as always. Four spectators were coaxed up onto the stage. Other audience members were asked to examine the bullets. Then... Dotty Robinson loading the bullets into guns. Then music, Chung giving the sign, fire. The curtain fell and behind it, Robinson lay dead in the arms of the innocent Susie Seen. Houdini made a public statement explaining the gun trick. Normally the bullets never left the guns. The performer carried duplicates in his mouth, but this time the trick mechanism in the guns must have failed to work. But Chung's friend knew that there had been no accident, knew that Chung Ling Su had been slain on that stage by his envious other self, the killer and the victim falling together in one body. I'll be joining you soon again with more stories, but until next time, this is Boris Karloff saying goodbye. Monsters do have their place in your nightmares in the deep in your favorite horror movies. But not in your living room, on your TV. Don't let pay TV be the monster in your living room. Pay TV and cable TV companies are seeking the right to charge you for the very programs you now get free. If you want to stop pay TV and save free television, sign the petition in the lobby of this theater. Let your lawmakers know how you feel in the fight against pay TV and cable TV. Well, that surely worked well, didn't it? And by the way, be sure to read a banned book today. They're likely to be well-written, and they usually contain the things you really need to know. And tell your kids to read some banned books, too. Your kids aren't idiots, are they? They can navigate real ideas, right? And now, one more bit of Halloween to finish. How do you do? This is Alfred Hitchcock, 
and I wish to say a word in defence of my latest picture, Psycho, it is not true, as has been suggested, that Psycho frightens the moviegoer speechless. I understand a number of men sent their wives there in the hope that this was true. They were doomed to disappointment, for the women emerged badly shaken, but still vigorously vocal. To see for yourself how false this claim really is, you have only to go to the theatre and listen to the screaming as the hordes of wild-eyed patrons stumble out. A few may mumble incoherently, but they are definitely not speechless. Why don't you join them? Go, psycho! Suspense! Tonight, on a country road, starring Mr. Cary Grant. Relax, David. There's no hurry to get home. Who can relax in this mess of traffic? There must be a wreck or something up ahead. Hmm. This keeps up, we'll get caught in the rain. Yeah, it looks like a big storm building up, too. Hey, remember that shortcut? Which one? Well, the little tarred road that goes across through Center Marches and comes out on the other highway. What we took last summer? Yeah. I'll turn off there and duck this pile up. I'd like to get as far as possible before that storm hits. Oh, why don't you pull out your hands? Don't get mad. Well, he cut right in front of me trying to turn into that gas station. Maybe he needed gas. Oh. Turn on the radio, huh? Oh, there. Sounds like warnings to all residents of Long Island to be on the lookout for Nellie Goller, a middle-aged woman described as why did you change it? I don't listen anymore. Let's get home quickly, David. I don't like being out here with that woman running loose. Uh-oh. Here's the storm. Roll up the windows. they put her to sleep instead of just locking her up where she can escape and kill more people? Hmm? Put who to sleep? That woman they were talking about on the radio. Oh. She can't help what she does. She's sick. Mm. What good does that do the people who get chopped up with a meat cleaver? I don't know. The laws were made before the doctors knew very much about the human mind. Oh, they still don't know much. Hmm. Oh, I can see what it is. There's a roadblock up ahead. What's happened? I don't know. Cops all over the road. David, I'll bet they're looking for that crazy woman. Oh, I guess so. Now, hold it a minute. What's up, officer? Uh, just a checkup, folks. Uh, anything in the back seat? Only the blanket and the lunchbox. We went on a picnic. Yes, ma'am. Seen any hitchhikers? No, just traffic. Okay, move right along, please. Are you looking for the crazy woman? Move it along, let's go. He's busy. 
What are you doing? Listen. All motorists on Long Island are warned to be on the alert for the escaped insane woman who is somewhere on the island. She is described as tall, broad-shouldered, gray-haired, and rather heavy. She may still be armed with a cleaver. One hundred men are searching the area, and they're prepared to shoot on sight. Here's another bulletin on the case which just came in. Just a few minutes ago, the decapitated bodies of an elderly man and woman were found oh, by the police near Center Marsh. haven't found her yet. This will get us out of that traffic. The bodies of an elderly couple have just been found in their car near Center Marriages on a lonely, tarred road. Police are certain they were killed by Nellie Goller, the insane woman now at large. Residents of the area are warned not to open their doors to strangers. Motorists are cautioned to stay off lonely roads and not to pick up any hitchhikers. All persons are asked to be on the lookout for this woman. Oh, Here is her description They haven't again. caught her yet. Let oh. her turn that off, darling. I thought you wanted to hear it. Well, that's enough believed to be armed right. with the meat cleaver. This shortcut will save us a lot of time. Turned off the highway. Sure, I told you when I did it. We've come over a mile already. Save us a lot of time. But David, didn't you hear what the radio said about staying off lonely road? Well, we only have to go across the other highway. It won't take long. You sure? Of course. We go past Center Marches, then take the left road and come out right by the highway bridge. Center Marches is where she just killed those two people. Oh, no, no, no. What can happen to us while we're driving? Hmm. Besides, the whole island is full of men looking for this lunatic. They'll catch us. Oh. It's just a storm. Now, come on, quiet down. You're jumping. Oh, I guess I'm silly. David. What? gas gauge says empty. Well, there's still a couple of gallons left when it points to empty. How long has it said empty? Don't know. I'll get gas when we get across to the other highway. David, I'm scared. Relax, honey. Rain and wind always make you nervous as a cat. I wish we'd stayed on the highway. Well, nothing you'd act like this, I would have. Well, it's not my fault. It's not mine either. I'm having trouble enough just trying to see through this storm. David... Let's not fight. Driving through these burned-out woods in this kind of weather is enough to give anyone the willies. Oh, goodness, it got dark so fast. You can hardly see ahead, even in the headlights. Uh, there's something ahead. Don't stop, David. That's only a sign. David, the crazy woman could be around here. I'm not picking up anyone. I just want to know where I am. Well, don't get out of the car. I'm not. Now, calm down. Let's see. Center marches that way. Now, we'll take this road. Center marches. This must be the road where she killed those people. Dorothy, please. Sorry. So jumpy. Turn on the radio. is a desolate place. We haven't even passed a house yet. Miles of woods on both sides of it. So dark we couldn't have seen one if it were there. This rain seems to be getting worse. David, I'm just sure this is the road where that woman killed those two people. Oh, now stop that, Dorothy. That's why the police had a roadblock by this road. That crazy woman might be any place in these woods. But not necessarily where we are. <laughs> David, what's the matter? Oh, that's fine. What a place to run out of gas. Oh, no! David, 
believe it. You mean we're stuck here? I'm afraid so, for the time being, anyway. I'm sorry, dear. That crazy woman is in the woods. She'll kill her. She's nowhere near us. David, quick. Turn off your headlights. Why? Did you hear something? David, I don't know. I don't know where I'm scared. <laughs> you should have got gas. Oh, turn off the headlights, please. Why? She'll see us if you don't. We won't see her if I do. Please, David, turn them off. Oh, now, listen, Dorothy. Don't let this silly thing get the better of you. Oh, Oh, just look at the headlights. Poking into darkness, nothing but wet bushes and trees. Rain falling. Please, David. Oh, all right. There, now they're off. You feel better sitting in the dark? <sighs> Only the thunder and lightning would stop. And this rain. Look, Dorothy. There's no sense sitting here all night. It's only a few minutes past ten o'clock. I'm going to walk up the road a bit. There might be a house or something. You're there. not going to leave me here. I won't let you go. Dorothy, we can't sit here in the middle of nowhere for the rest of the night. We're safer here than out there. David, she's probably hiding in the woods. She's just waiting for a chance to kill us. Oh, come on, Dorothy. Why should she be right where we run out of gas? Why now? can't she be here? Please stay in the car. All right. Lock the doors from the inside. Why? What is it? Now she can't get in here. She's nowhere near oh, us. Don't be mad at me, David. I'm so scared. But if she's out there, she can easily smash the windows. Oh, don't scare me anymore. I know I'm acting silly. I can't help it. Oh, no. Come. Let me put my arm around you. There. Oh, David. Oh, put your head on my shoulder. <laughs> Forgive me, David. Well, go ahead and cry. Go on. It'll make you feel better. Isn't there some popular music? Renard searched for the escaped insane woman who has killed five persons and fleeing from a Long Island mental hospital. Rain and darkness are hampering the search. Over 100 police are combing the wooded area near Center Marriages. It was near there that an elderly couple were butchered on a lonely, tarred road. In making her escape this morning, the mad woman killed a doctor, nurse, and... Let's leave it off for a while, huh? So quiet and lonely here. Wish it were morning. Look, darling, I'll run up the road. There might be a... No, no, David, please... Listen. Did you hear that? What? I don't hear anything. Listen. There it is. No, I can't. It's a dog. A little dog barking. David. Well, I guess it's only a lost dog. Maybe there's a house nearby. Or the crazy one. Door locks on your side? Yes. Well, what if she breaks the windows? She's got a cleaver. In that flash of lightning, I saw somebody. Is it the crazy woman? I can't tell. She's lying on the road. Can you see her? Is she still there? Too dark to see. Have to wait for the lightning. 
I saw her. She's getting up now. She'll kill us. She'll kill us. What is she doing? I don't know. She must have been running. She didn't see the car and ran right into it. She's at the window. Right next to you. Oh, my Lord. Look at her. Get away from that window. Jamie, she's trying to get in the car. Look at that face. And her hair. Go away. Let me in. I'm not crazy. Go away! Go away! We've got a gun! We'll shoot! It worked. She's staring at us. I'm warning you. I'll shoot. David, she's coming back. Please don't leave me out here. Please! That woman will kill me! Please! David, take your pipe. Hold it like a gun. It'll look like a gun. Where is it? It was in the club compartment. Look! I've got a gun! I'm going to shoot! She's backing away. Keep going before I start shooting! She's gone. She disappeared. We can't get out now. All we can do is sit here all night and wait for help. Can you see her? Where did she go? I don't know. She's out there, though. Probably planning on how to get in this car. David, what are we going to do? She's the one I know. She didn't have a cleaver. She must have dropped when she ran into the car. Face is all twisted, hair hanging down. And she's back there looking for the cleaver now. She'll kill us. She'll kill us. Charlie, stop it. She'll kill us. David. David. The window. David, she broke the window. Get away from there. Stay out of the car. I'm coming in. I can't stand it. Stay out of the car. I warn you. I've got a gun. You wouldn't shoot me. Go away. You're crazy. We know all about you. I'm not the crazy woman. Believe me. Let me in. Don't do it, David. She's trying to trick us. Listen to me, please. I've been running in this awful storm. My car is stuck in the ditch back there. How far back? I don't know. It seems like miles. I heard about the crazy woman on the radio. I was afraid to stay in the car alone. Let me in. No, David. Go back to your own car. No. It's so dark and so lonely in this storm. I locked the doors, but I was afraid I could see things and hear things in the darkness. I couldn't stand it anymore. I got out and I ran. It's the rain. That's why I look like this. I'm not the crazy woman. Darling, maybe she isn't a crazy woman. Maybe she's just scared and exhausted. Let me in. Please, let me in. No, David, no. She's the one I know. Crazy woman had a cleaver. I'm not armed. The three of us will be safer together. No, she makes sense to me, Dorothy. We would be safer with one more person. Oh, David, I don't know. Let me in, please. I'm wet to the skin. I'm going to unlock the door, Dorothy. David. Oh. All right. Now, get in. Oh. Make one move and I'll shoot you. Oh, it's... Oh, it's... Good to sit down. All right. Now, there's a blanket on the floor back there. Try and dry yourself off with it. Oh, the darkness of the rain. There's enough to drive me out of my mind. Well, just take it easy, lady. 
I ran and ran. All I could hear was feet chasing after me, hunting me. You live near here? Farther out, near Restview. I used to live in Brooklyn. Restview is a mental hospital. I know. I'm used to the crazy people. But not a night in a lonely place like this. Not the kind who kill people. You, uh, you live at Restview? No. Just near there. David, we can't sit here not knowing. If we could get to a phone. A phone? Why? To call the police. Get some help. No! Don't do that. Why not? Why don't you want the police? Oh, I, I do. But you'd be killed. What do you mean? The woman. She'll kill him if he goes away from this car. Oh. There's that dog. You hear it? Somebody's out there. Well, there must be a house up ahead. Maybe it's barking to be let in. No. It senses somebody. There's somebody out there. The crazy woman's creeping around out there. Quick. Let's get away. Look out, David. Let go of me. Huh? What are you trying to do? Start the car. Quick. We'll get away. We're out of gas. Out, out of gas? You don't think we parked here for the fun of it, do you? Oh, such a desolate place to run out of gas. Stop barking. What does it mean? You can't just sit here. We've got to get away. Oh, I'm not a magician, lady. I can't make gasoline out of rain. Oh, you can't stay here the whole night. You no, hear me? Let go of me. There's nothing I can do. Try something, anything. Don't just sit there. She's scaring me, David. Stop her. Cut it out. Cut it out. You'll have us all in hysterics. All right. All right, I'm sorry. Look, I got an idea. Give me your gun. What for? What for? I'll tell you. I want it. Give it to me, David. Listen to me. I'm all right. But I can't sit here all night. I go crazy. Give me the gun. I'll go. I won't be afraid of the dark, the noises, the feet following me. I'll go. I promise you. But give me the gun. No, no. Sit down. Please. I'll go. I promise. I can't stand sitting in the dark like this. Can't you stop her, David? I told you to shut up. <laughs> if you don't, you'll have to get out of the car. Not into the woods again. Oh, you're nice people, aren't you? Or do you want me to leave so you can shoot me? Is that it? We're not going to shoot you. We don't have a gun. It's only a pipe. Earth. A pipe? A smoking pipe? I'm sorry. Then, then you're unarmed. I'm sorry, yes. David. Why did you tell me you had a gun? What difference would it make to you whether I'm armed or not? I don't know you. Maybe you two are more dangerous than the crazy woman. I'll tell you what I think. I think you're the crazy woman. The way you grabbed David when you wanted him to start the car. Don't stop it. Don't excite her. Don't excite me. Why? Do you think I'm dangerous? An old woman you took into your car, two of you, and you're afraid of me? I'm not afraid of you. Now sit back in the seat and don't try anything. David, the storm is stopping. Maybe now is the time. The time for what? What are you going to do? 
You tore her up to something. Oh, shut up. My wife meant now is the time to go for help. I did not. I meant now is the time for us to escape. David, can't you see it? She's the one. She'll kill us. You little... Oh, stop it. Sit back in that seat. You haven't got a gun. No. But I've got a knife. David. It's my jackknife. But it's sharp and strong, so don't try any tricks. All right. Threaten me. Watch me while that woman is out there. All you can do is sit and wait for her to make the next move. David, she can kill us like that old man and woman. They must have been on this same road. They were in their car, too. They must have let her in. We'll leave, then. The three of us will walk. We'll, we'll stay close together. We'll be quiet. Anyone hiding in the woods won't hear us. Don't get out of the car, oh, David. Oh, how will we find our way? It's too dark. We'll find our way. Look out there. The road's full of shadows. Get her out of the car, David. She wants to kill us. Kill you. Well, look, if you want to go, why don't you leave? We're going to stay here until some help comes. Oh, I'd be helpless, alone, if I had a gun or something. Your knife. Oh, why doesn't somebody come? Where are the police? I can't stand this. Nobody will come. There's no one in these woods. They're buried out and deserted. Uh, come on, please. It was your idea to use this road. He wouldn't listen to me and stop for gas. I couldn't help it. I got lost. Oh, why don't you do something? Not just sit here waiting, waiting. Do something before we're murdered. Are you so helpless? All right. I am going to do something. I'll go for help. That's it. Get help. David. In her hand. I saw it in the moonlight. It glittered. What is it? Your wife is hysterical. She, she was holding it. A long piece of... Broken glass, long and pointed. See? She doesn't answer. She's just watching us. What is she waiting for? It's from the broken window. That's where she got it. So what if I have it? I'm not going to sit here defenseless. She's going to attack Don't us. Don't be silly. It was all right for you to have a knife. Why can't I be armed for whatever may come? Give me that broken glass. Give it to you. You think I'm crazy? You couldn't protect us from anything. Oh. David, what are you doing? Why are you climbing over the seat? What I'll are warn you... you. I'm through letting my wife be terrified. Give me that glass. Stay away from me! Once I left the car, you were going to butcher my wife. With that broken glass. No! No! David! <laughs> David! I... Give me that glass! I... You're crazy! Let me along! Hold her, David! Hold her! Don't let her free! Wrong! Cut my arm! You kill me! Drop that glass! You both run crazy! Try to kill me! Thought you were going to murder us? No, I wasn't! Don't let her get free! Hold her! Wrong! If you have a knife. Then I'll have glass. David, David, hold it. Much longer. I'm not crazy. Please believe me. You got my throat. Ah. Don't give me. Your knife. David, your knife. Uh. Ah. David, you... You killed her. 
I couldn't help it. I didn't mean it. Oh, you're covered with blood. She was going to kill us. Uh, There's some lights. Car is coming. Help's coming. Hey there, you in the car. Why are you parked here? It's the police. At last. We ran out of gas. The crazy one. What a night to run out of gas. You couldn't have picked a better spot. What with that woman running around loose? Officer, we want to tell you... A farmer up the road called us. Said his dog's been barking at something. We caught her. Uh, who'd you catch? The crazy woman. She, she's in the back seat, dead. What? No. No, she's alive. Hurt bad, though. Uh, she was trying to kill us. Well, we'll get her to a hospital. You two had better come with me. We captured that crazy woman a half hour ago. I don't know who this lady is. Are they streaming out of your show, yelling and running for their lives? Let's check out the very next show, and we'll see. She's Ambora, the ape girl, the ape girl. This beautiful, living girl will be locked in a solid steel cage for your safety. And under bright lights, you'll see her change. You will see her forehead recede. Her teeth will grow into long fangs. You'll clearly see everything as her clothes fall away from her body. You'll see thick, matted hair grow all over this poor girl's body. And right before your eyes, she will change into a ferocious 450-pound gorilla. That's right, this beautiful girl turns into an ape so powerful she can bend a steel bar like a toothpick. Build this big sideshow moneymaker and have them running for their lives out of your show. The plans, drawn by sideshow legend Aaron Brill in the 1960s, are available for just $6. Get back! Get back, Zambora! Want to have even more fun? Learn stuff? Subscribe to Ballycast. You're not in school anymore. There's no homework. There are links on the webpage at Ballycast.com. And all previous episodes are available as well. See you next episode. Ballycast. 
Alleycast is produced by Wayne Kaiser for Blue Ridge Entertainment under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means you can keep it, copy it, share it with a friend, just tell them where it came from, don't change it, and don't sell it. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe at BalletCast.com. Visit us, link to us, subscribe to the podcast, and most importantly, enjoy. Thanks for riding. Please exit to your left. Your attention, please. If you're leaving the theater, please hang your speaker on the speaker stand before starting your car. Don't take chances on accidents which may damage your car. If you accidentally tear off your speaker, please don't be frightened. Simply turn it in. There is no charge for reinstalling speakers.